The world is a vampire. Because I saw the pumpkins at Irving last night, Rich. And there's always subliminal messages. How do you have this much time for live music? I just don't understand how you have this much free time. Because that, that's what gives me energy, Rich. Which is then spent on travel. Excessive travel. everybody to episode 125 of the light shed podcast brandon ross rich greenfield walter pisick as rich the year 5782 winds down Brandon, I really feel like for a second, I honestly thought someone put you in slow mo, and this was like a, this was almost like a recording, and that you were just running at a very slow speed. I know Walt likes the podcast at one and a half x, but you felt like you were like, well, no, I think, I think we need a podcast for the companies we're investing in. We need a podcast company to figure out that they recognize certain voices. Yes. And it accelerates to 2x. Yeah. <laughs> like my voice. And then they go to a normal cadence. It's so, so like an espresso then, shot feature. Yeah. Like it basically and it would dial down. An espresso I had the same shot. thing with Ben Thompson. I can't understand. He, I don't know what's up with how he speaks, but like I cannot. I typically listen to stuff at 1.5. Ben yes. Thompson, I can't understand a word the guy's fucking saying at 1.5. I have to slow it down to like 0.9. It's, Is there anyone know. you listen to faster than one and a half? Um, yes, Brandon. Yes, when Brandon <laughs> comes on, I dialed up to like two and a half because it's so slow. Brandon, I have a question for you. Do you yes. still feel like a rat in a cage? Is that because rats in cage don't get to travel to concerts and, and go to all these places? Yeah, I, it, r- Walt, this isn't, yes. you know, this is me- metaphorical. Oh, but you pick the music. So do you feel like a rat in a cage? Yes. Okay. Trapped. I'm sorry. Trapped. <laughs> Trapped. trapped in our industry <laughs> of pain trapped in your apartment <laughs> trying to find a new one at a 6% yeah, yeah, rate. yeah exactly Talk about nothing like cage. getting Dude, this, more- this apartment is yes you know what walt i do feel like I'm- so so when walt and i were refinancing a year ago did, did anything go through your head of like hey these guys are locking in at really low rates you should do something that never like didn't well really that work. that was when i was like you know on the frets about what, my long-term future in the city of New York. That's fair. So you were going to move to what Miami? No, fuck no. I hate Miami. I I was going to move to Margate. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a beautiful beach. Yeah. All right. Well, I saw way too much of you guys this week. 
Um, Rich, I think we may have seen each other every day this week. We had a lot of meetings. We traversed Midtown. We went to Connecticut. But I think the highlight of our week was Lightshed Dinner number two. And um, that that was that could have been tough for us because we got our asses made fun of quite a bit by you Lucas. more than anyone else. Well, yeah, but the thing the thing with Brandon jokes is they're just like repetitive. Like, yes, you can make fun of my haircut. Yes, you can make fun of the concerts. Whatever. Everyone knows. I got that a few we, other everything things. good about me is above my can... eyebrows. Whatever. I can provide a lot of diversity and, and ragging on you beyond what you've already listed, if you would like. How long is this podcast this t- uh, today? I, would, <laughs> no, I have very thick skin. Oh, God. <laughs> that is. That oh, is, my God. Dude, I dude. do. Oh, my God. Come on. Okay. We're going to move on right now. Like, literally, I have thick skin. We, we might even cancel the podcast is, on that. Okay. This oh. is the the funniest part about it because I don't want to give away like all the things he said about all the people who were there or should have been there shouldn't have been Who's there. Who's the they? You're, you're people. You're referring to something that you even haven't said what it is. Rich, why don't you fill in some details here? Oh, we had a great industry dinner where we had a you know probably twenty plus industry executives, a bunch of uh, investors, and it was just a fun night. Um, kind of post pandemic, getting everyone together with no purpose <laughs> other than drinking. Well, I mean, like I said, look, we are still seeing a lot of meetings. You, didn't, you still didn't name the comedian. What is even I, happening? I the comedian is Lucas Zelnick. So Strauss okay, Zelnick's well, son. <laughs> so Strauss Zelnick's son used to work at Viacom. Actually, used to work at Broadway Ventures, which Dave Birnbaum uh, was at a venture fund that Lauren Michaels had. Then he went over to work at Viacom for a while. Why are um, we? Are you reading his LinkedIn right now? No, I'm just telling <laughs> you. Like, well, but, why but, are you giving but, his well, entire? And by the way, for the record, he came asked, in as a comedian. Yes, but I think having the background, he actually knew the industry. He knows how fucked up this whole business is. He knows who the players are. He knows the companies. It's not just a general stand-up comedian. He actually knows what we all do and the you know ridiculousness of much of what is happening in this industry. And so but it was, was fun sir- to have a comedian that. Well, can you please let Walt, Walt just tried to talk three times? Four times. No, four. It was four times four. while you I, read I Lucas's resume. I, it, I try to have an ebb and flow, a back and forth, but it just kept going and going and going and going. I'm going to shut up now. Just, you know, verbal, um, visual, any type of cues. cues. You see cues. someone start to talk, maybe pause. Rich and Zuckerberg. Momentarily, see if there's possibly <laughs> a give and take where more than one person can add to the content. Yes, I'm going to have a great weekend, Rich. Thank you for asking. What I was, What I was trying to say is that um, no, Strauss's kid is not just about making comedy about the industry. You're putting him in a box. In fact, I actually saw his content and my kids saw has seen his content on TikTok. And we had a, a wonderful conversation about the importance of TikToks to stand up comedians and how they're doing an end around on agents um, in terms of booking. And I think I think on this podcast directly, I've said I, I bought like six tickets to Namesh Patel. I think we talked about that on the podcast and, and it was fascinating to hear from his perspective as well. And then I had actually seen his content um, on TikTok, which is cool. But then I said, TikTok might get yanked so that he wasn't too happy about that. He was not as positive on reels as a way to book people on his email list, which ultimately led to bookings for his tour. 
Meanwhile, one, one, no, one of the jokes he made is he said if he had Kim Kardashian level viewership of his reels, that he would basically make 80, 80 or $90,000 a year. Like that's how bad the monetization on, on, on Instagram is today. Well, that was a joke. That was one of his many jokes. Yeah. That doesn't mean it was real rich. (laughs) It's called creative license. (laughs) In fact, we're going to talk about the creator economy later. No, but one of the things, one of the things I did love, you're, you're holding your mic and creating a lot of distortion as a result. Um, one of the things that I, I did love is when he brought up every year we do our annual predictions, right? And so it's the amount of predictions goes with the year. So top 22 for 22, whatever. So he brought up our predictions for 2017. And I thought it would be fun to just revisit the same ones that he did, because I think most of these were Rich's predictions. So Let's start with the first one that he brought up, which was number 10 that year. Rich, would you like to read your prediction? MGM acquired by AT&T after closing Time Warner. That actually wasn't that bad of a prediction, honestly. It could that could have gone, that could have happened. Obviously, Amazon um came in and snagged it. So I guess it's not even that funny. What about the next one, Rich? I don't know if this was me or Walter combined, but I'll read it. Number 11, Comcast acquires T-Mobile. I mean, what's fascinating about this one is four or five short years later, the reality is that you could have wireless operators buying cable operators. So <laughs> yeah. my, not Comcast, but right. uh, yet, yet at least. Um, but my, how the tables have turned there. And then number 14, which was a projection of riches, Amazon Music Surges surges as everyone starts talking to alexa rich some of us have what's called friends so uh, it, you know th- <laughs> I, I didn't get any grief from this guy brandon you got um from Strauss. yeah he it, made he made fun of my hair i didn't get anything but i one of my predictions that i'm sure dated back 10 years that dish was going to merge with direct tv i think i've thrown that one out like fucking 10 times including this year and we're down to like the last three months so oh he's really like, bringing that one out. how did that not make it into this i have no it's, idea it's, it's almost like talking about sunday ticket we should just ban that topic i mean i while, literally right? feel like the apple guy that was predicting the apple tv or the car or whatever it was like yeah I'm but just, everyone I, knew I the apple television wasn't dish direct tv again i mean what which means it'll which that's kind of <laughs> like when i was predicting every year that um that uh liberty was going to take in uh serious Right. I predicted it like four fucking years in a row. And then I very specifically predicted it wouldn't happen. Would not happen. And then I was like, I'm never writing about this stock again because I just (laughs) can't get it right. (laughs) Uh, Some late breaking news, though, just happened. That's also pretty funny. Uh, We could make it into our comedian part of the uh, of this week. But uh, Walt, just you just told me Fubo TV was actually upgraded to a buy by Wedbush. I wouldn't By call Michael breaking, Pactor. Yeah, I mean, breaking, it's not just Wedbush. It's Michael right, Pactor. That's true. And so what makes Michael Pactor notable, Brandon? I mean, he's he was the ultimate yeah. hater of Netflix. And he finally I mean, this guy had a sell on Netflix from, you know, 17 non split adjusted. So like two um, all the way to, I don't know, whenever finally upgraded it at the top 
and then and, and then the makes, rails came off. And, and beyond Pactor, what makes Wedbush unique to Fubo, Rich? Well, Fubo's uh, Wedbush is one of Fubo's bankers, and I oh, think it's fascinating. Ooh. Well, it's fascinating. In the report today, it talks about the fact that Fubo needs to focus on raising capital. Well, you don't, wow. we haven't seen the report, but we saw a paragraph. From Independent Bloomberg. research. We saw a paragraph from Bloomberg um, that said, in the near term, Fubo needs to focus on raising capital and cut cash burn to extend its cash runway. Quote, we are confident, this is from Michael Pactor, that Fubo TV can do both, but it's uncertain how dilutive the capital raise will be and how rapidly their cash burn will improve. That's amazing. That's amazing. Okay. I mean, what, the stock's up 6% in a market that's bloody red. Yeah, I mean, sure, that's that's a quarter, right? You just wanted to say bloody red, bloody red, bloody well, red. Well, red but, wedding okay. of the market. All but, right. Let's, you didn't but, 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 but the reason let, we brought that slide Let's cut up, Rich off now. Yeah. No, no, but the reason <laughs> we brought up Fubo TV <laughs> is because it's funny to upgrade Fubo TV as a leading streaming and sports TV destination when we had a pretty big event last night, which was, or sorry, we're going to have a pretty big event what? tonight. Well, how do we know event. it's a big event? Well, you read it then. And you tell us what you think. This is from the streamable. The Yankees, Aaron Judge, may set home run record on Apple TV Plus. That was for everyone who is We're listening at, at 3X. <laughs> <laughs> so every everyone, well, not everyone knows. And, you know, Mark made a really good point to me the other day about how much Major League Baseball has fucked up this home run chase. There has been absolutely no press about it. You have a Yankee out there breaking, you know, Babe Ruth's home run record, Roger Maris's home run record coming up, you know, set to maybe win the Triple Crown. And there's been absolutely no national promotion about this. A complete failure on Major League Baseball's part, which is something that, you know, we are not. Why why do you think that is? Why why do you think that? I don't know. It's where's the marketing machine? Where's the PR machine? It just makes no sense. I mean, this is you're also you're in the biggest market. Forget all the tradition of New York. Right. Um, So I thought that was a great point by Mark. And then like kind of getting back to the slide, it is possible that he breaks the record tonight and it might be on Apple TV, the new home of sports. It's it's pretty amazing for Apple, right? I mean, this is just, you know, and it, it sort of leads you to, you know, from, from a meeting I had earlier in the week, it sounds like we might know more about Sunday Ticket. I know we're not allowed to talk about it anymore, but it sounds like we might know about it in the next four weeks. We think it's going to Apple. So point being, Apple TV is getting put on the map, not just from entertainment programming, but sports, surprisingly, in this case, even Friday Night Baseball, we sort of made fun of, yep. we really put Apple on the map tonight. Simmerdale, this is yeah. baseball. No one's, in my opinion, is going to sit there and watch a boring ass baseball game on the hope to have that one moment when some random player that you'd a be surprised. You'd be you'd be surprised, Walt. But you'd be surprised also because you're a baseball fan. So you'd be surprised at how little people care about baseball in this home run chase when oh, I can wow. watch it as a replay and like you know listen to the dumb Michael K call or whoever's going to make the call for this. worse than John Sterling call. It's going to be like a historic call. And he's going to be like, it was a judgy and blast. That's that's sad. 
nonetheless there are a lot of people who are this This is still baseball and even if it creates a one-day blip of interest it's still baseball well maybe maybe it was an opportunity for baseball to create some interest around its sport number one number two you're going to get a lot of bitching if it does happen from people in the local market who do not subscribe to apple tv that's true if it does happen on apple tv so that'll be something interesting to watch all right let's move on to the next slide everyone i I, I just i just hope i just hope that this home run is hit during a football game on sunday (laughs) or monday so we can compare the ratings of will it even be like to any football page to any football (laughs) well speaking of football games walter speaking of football games why don't you tell us what happened last thursday oh great segue rich great Um, one I'm not going to read this because I'm sick of Andrew Marchand's um, tweets that we have to read. I love Andrew Marchand, but like, come on, we got to come up with some diversity. Mark, uh, someone else, no, please. I th- anyway, uh, the bottom line is 13 million was the number. What, what did we set the over under at? Was like nine? Nine to uh, ten. Uh, no, Rich, you're, we should go back and play audio. Are we, are we putting some bets down now? What's your, what's your over under? I think the over under is is nine million viewers. Nine. So now now you're going aggressive. What's your over under, Brandon? What was last year's week two Thursday night number? No, on average, it was 16 and a half million on Thursday. I would say above nine, but still dramatically lower. Probably a third off. So what did I say? Because I think whatever I said, I, I whatever you, you said, I took a dollar above. No, no. Am I what, what, you're, what you're misremembering was, and we had a conversation about this, that Rich completely ignored you in the bet. Oh, right. right. I, I had no pick. <laughs> That's right. And you didn't get That's and true. you didn't get to, to oh, actually God. participate in this uh, one. Well, if I read it in my mind. <laughs> Yeah, so this 13 million, I mean, forget about predictions or not. I mean, that's yeah. that's a pretty solid number. Although I will say Amazing. this, since, since today is Friday, um, I was watching the game. I had a great experience, as I think I talked about on last week's podcast. Last night, it was really weird. And I knew many people that had the same experience. Um, the game was perfect. They would go to the commercials or the or the, or the halftime show. And pixelate is the wrong word. You'd have like these lines, like the quality. Can you, can you record it on your phone next time? Because I really would like to show it on next week's podcast. I'd think, love to show it. I don't think I have to prove myself. I think. No, no, no. I would look just on like Twitter. What... There's a lot of okay. people that said like, look, the quality degraded. So I don't know. Commercials. You're it saying the, like the commercial the quality. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And I'm like, hmm. what in the world? And I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure the brand partners are thrilled about that. Well, that's what I was watching the game with a buddy is like, well, the advertiser ain't going to be thrilled about the fact that there was all these lines, yeah. but, and like, so what does that even happen there? Are they like using or, CDNs for the game, but not for the commercials? Like, I don't even understand. Well, remember, that's remember happening. who's producing the game and it's sort of the irony of who's producing the game. And my background for today is like NBC's actually does the production, like the back end production is done out of Stanford at NBC. Uh, it's all the on-air talent is all Amazon. I don't know for ad insertion, whether whether that's NBC's tech or Amazon's tech. I'm sure someone listening to the podcast will let us know who's doing ad insertion, the problems that you're talking about. I know I know Amazon's using their own streaming tech to get the game to you, but I don't know about the ad insertion. But still, 13 million people. Remember, that's not 13 million views in the bullshit world of like meta and sort of even the old two-minute metric we used to make fun of for, for Netflix. 
this is 13 million average minute audience for the entire game. Like that's a huge number. Yeah. It, it probably means, and I don't know, it probably means there was a peak at 15 or 16 million viewers. Yeah. My Al- guess. Although, I mean, we talked about it last week when the games are good, the churnoff because of the yep. friction is, is going to be much less, yep. which is going to boost the average minute viewership. But the bottom line is, you know, as far as a test case for these, you know, well-distributed platforms, I'm not talking about you, Peacock or Paramount Plus, the well-distributed platforms, sports seems to be able to work the test bed if through the first couple of weeks seems like it's going well and brandon why was thursday night big deal for nbc for years like why did they call it must see tv right that's when cosby show and er and friends and you go through all through the years it's because everyone was setting up for all the purchase cycle over the weekend right like that was the whole movies opening cars on sale like that was the whole reason for must see TV. And now must see TV is on Amazon and they sell everything. Like it's just a brilliant strategy, right? Amazon's debut broadcast of Thursday Night Football brought in more prime signups over a three hour period than any other day. So that's well, there the- you go. I mean, like, so there you go, Rich. Uh, this talks to, you know, Amazon using it to eventually sell stuff, get more prime subs. And I mean, that's kind of a shaky tweet, like three hours versus a day. Who cares really? But okay, it's 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 working for them a little bit. It, it still shows that sports drives signups, right? You're forcing just like tonight, right? People are going to go. I know Walt doesn't think a lot of people, but people are going to find Apple TV Plus because they want to watch this potential home run happen. I'm guessing we're not going to have Amazon tell us all the signups related to the baseball game tonight, though. I mean, Apple, Apple, you're not going to get Apple. Apple. Excuse me. You probably <laughs> will not. I agree with that. OK, let's move on to a uh, broader market. Brandon, you want to read? Sure. 238. As of Wednesday, the number of days without a U.S. tech IPO worth more than $50 million, topping the droughts that followed the early 2000s dot-com crash and the 2008 financial meltdown. Shit's bad. What do you want? All right. I thought we were going to lead with this tweet. I mean, that that is what's, I think, top of mind to many people yeah. right now is the disaster, the macro. Otherwise, otherwise known as the market right now. Related the, to rates yeah, and the macro in, and yeah, the macro in general is obviously right. rough um, with inflation and rates. And um, let's just backish at backish at Paramount said he thinks the worst is over and it's not going to be that bad. Well, if you Before. look at the next slide here, um, Meta and Google are cutting staff. Just don't mention layoffs. Facebook parent is looking to reduce costs by at least 10%. People familiar with the plan said, while Google has required some employees to apply for new jobs. And what's really interesting here is in times of distress, usually you see big tech trying to gain share and invest towards the future. And they don't really move as tightly with market cycles as you know, all the other companies. And in this particular cycle, you are seeing the tech leaders also pare down, which I may not portend very good things to come in 2023. It's just very interesting. Rich, your reaction? Well, I I mean, I guess it's just everyone is really nervous. 
you could say some of these companies may be overhired and that's why they're cutting. right during the pandemic yeah yeah for sure i mean things were so good right everyone sort of overly ramped up but this feels more than just over hiring this feels like they're you know there feels like there's real concern broadly across tech and i know media isn't panicking yet or you know legacy media tv etc but all signs point to you know sort of weakness in retail in Q4. It just yep. it doesn't feel good, which and means just- that the ad market in Q4, despite the fact that it it really has held up this quarter, mm-hmm. probably better than what a lot of people you know thought was going to be. I mean, <laughs> the crux of the year is is coming for holiday, and just kind of talking to advertisers, it doesn't seem all that positive right now. So. We will Maybe the plays. We go long office real estate because the probably the cheapest way to to cut your employee base is rather than to make severance. them come to the office. Yeah. Five day a week requirement. That would reduce <laughs> the employee ranks. Um funny tweet of the week uh was this not maybe it's not so funny actually but bloomberg has meta was sued for allegedly building a secret workaround to safeguards that apple launched last year to protect iphone users from having their internet activity tracked you know and it why is that funny well <laughs> cuz it's just like are you kidding me like well just, rich rich is the guy that when we like have ventures meetings he's like so what data do you have and how can you exploit that <laughs> uh, that is it's not fair that is a fair it, criticism <laughs> and i'm always like rich alert 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 it's 2022 not 2017 the best was when he asked like when he asked web three companies that (laughs) (laughs) the reason it's funny is that meta's gotten itself into a position where they can't buy anything right like you know we sort of joke that they can't even buy giphy they can't buy what was the what was the vr company they wanted to buy the fitness company that like nobody should care about like there is just this hatred of it was uh, chris milk's company yeah, I just can't remember the name of them. Yeah. Like, it used to be called Within, but yeah. um, the, the the concept that Facebook has sort of become so hated and all of these types of stories, I don't know how accurate, I don't know the, all of the details, obviously, of the lawsuit, but just the continued building perception that Meta is a bad actor or, you know, in this whole sort of world doesn't bode well for them needing to actually acquire talent. Uh, meaning human talent, as well as acquisitions. And I think that just speaks to the larger and larger problem. And they're obviously trying to get TikTok banned. But I wonder even as they sort of make that push, how much harder that push even is as they themselves are as hated as they are. I don't know. Just thinking about it. I mean, your comments suggested that they did nothing. So if they're actually trying to obviate Apple's attempt to protect their consumers' privacy, it's not about being hated. It's about continually doing things that are anti-consumer yep so it's not about like being hated it's like okay maybe don't do those things you can actually change your culture by actually changing your culture especially when you're under the microscope yeah (laughs) so i would say the opposite of like will they ever learn assuming again the allegations of this lawsuit are accurate I think that's fair. And my answer is no. Yeah, I, know, I, I knew you were going to say that. I mean, that's the and reality. By the way, right? 
And Apple can just continue to dunk on this all day long and be right. Well, at the same time that Apple literally sucks in all of their advertising dollars for their own platform. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's true. Under the guise of privacy. But this, is, this is a capitalist society. It doesn't mean that it, it we is. should violate people's privacy. Like, are you not about companies making money for themselves? I am very much about companies making okay. money for themselves. Got it. Trust me. Uh, let's go to, uh, you want to read uh, Reuters, Walt? YouTube will introduce advertising on its video feature shorts and will give creators 45% of the revenue from next year. The Google-owned streaming service announced. Why is 45% relevant, Rich? Because that is the historic, you know, if you think about um, sort of the model that that there's always been at at Google and YouTube, you've always talked about sort of this, you know, very healthy creator split. And the, the problem that you faced on a lot of these platforms is creators don't make money. Uh, meaning short form, like they've been criticizing, hey, I can't make tons of money on TikTok. Like I know what you said earlier about Lucas, but like the yeah. view has been the only place you can really make money is long form YouTube, where creators keep, I believe, 55% of the dollars on YouTube. This is real, sounds like it's going to be 45. But the point is, the only place everyone's always told us they can make money in the creator world is on YouTube. And everything else has been rounding errors. Yeah. And I, I, I think it depends, obviously, what type of um, creator you are. And I, I, that takes us kind of to the second one from games industry, um, which is Twitch partners who had been receiving a 70, 30 split. So that was the, well, I'll analyze it after we'll be downgraded to a standard 50, 50 split after the first hundred thousand dollars. So on a lot of people looked at this and they were like, you know, the creator economy is completely under pressure. Um, Twitch is, you know, cutting their payouts. This is just a very, very thin layer of those top creators, like the ninjas um, of the world who are, who had very special deals. Now everyone is on the same deal. Um, And at the same time, like Twitch continues to enable many different ways um, for their streamers to get paid. I think the stat was over the last five years um, on a per hour basis, per out viewer hour basis, monetization for creators has compounded at like 27%. Advertising is a big part of that now. Um, Pretty much everyone is available to get paid on ads on Twitch. So while the headline, you know, makes this look shitty, um, yeah, people are getting paid more on some of these platforms. Right. The, the question is, does paying people, and this is really interesting, right? Like, does paying people more on shorts, and let's just say Reels starts to pay people more too, does that drive the product and make it sort of better for consumers? Do consumers actually embrace it? Or is there something well, just look, about TikTok that really differentiates it from the other two? Well, like, I think there's there's a couple of things here, right? Um, one of them for this short form video, TikTok clearly has the scale. And part of that scale advantage is because they have the best algorithm and obviously the best tagging of videos. Um, so that's why just the scale is the reason that you're going to monetize much better on there. but. That being said, for the hours that you are streaming, right, and for the no, hours but, that but are I'm being stopping. viewed, I, you, I, I you want you want to get paid. 
And so if monetization is going up for those hours, isn't that kind of good for everyone who's creating? And don't you need to be incentivized to create? Otherwise, what's the point? You do. I'm just wondering at the end of the day, I still feel like TikTok is dramatically more quote unquote fun okay. than reels and shorts. Okay. I mean, that's that's fine. So, so monetizing something less fun is better than not monetizing it. I just don't know if that allows them to catch up to TikTok. Yeah. I mean, the, the one interesting thing is you still have a lot of people in the YouTube funnel. And yes. there, there are ways for YouTube to take the t- tons of engagement that they do have and to, you know, uh, to flip people over to their shorts product. I wouldn't say that YouTube is like, you know, a zero in this world and has uh, no, 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 I, I wouldn't either. I'm just, we all know though, that TikTok is extremely competitive with everybody in social and digital media. You know, we'll see. I mean, sort of interestingly related to that. I mean, there was sort of a a big move this week. This is Lucas Shaw. He broke the story and he was confirmed a couple of days later that Warner Music Group has named YouTube's Robert Kinsel, its new CEO. Uh, We'll give him he we reported that this he was the favorite Sunday Warner announced it today. So good job, Lucas, on the scoop. But it, it's it's a pretty big sign, right? Like someone who sort of has shepherded the creator economy. And to your point, Brandon, built the largest mechanism for paying creators is now moving to be CEO of a music label. Yeah. I mean, he was, he's really the OG in getting creators paid, right? Correct. I, the I first mean, creator, fund, like everyone's like, you know, creator funds, every company has them now. I mean, wasn't that originally Robert's idea? If, they if, were, they, if we go right, back they were paying YouTube channels, we're like, they were, paying, yeah. you know, essentially they were giving out money to basically yeah. help people create better content in the early days of, that's of right. YouTube became so more professional. That's how it kind of all started. I think the thing with Robert was he was just there a long time. Um, not sure if he was as engaged at the end and, and now he's going to be able to go and maybe uh, breed some new life into, um, into Warner oh. music. Well, think about what I mean. YouTube was the YouTube was the center of the or the only thing, right? It was like it was the creator economy. Now, I think we'd all agree the most fun place for creation is on TikTok, and so YouTube's still a huge business. It's still got probably plenty of growth ahead of it globally, but it's certainly not the fun place that it was early on when when Robert went there. And so, I think it'll be interesting to see how he takes that creator um world view and what he's learned and how that translates into maybe changes in A&R or just how they approach the music business will be yeah. really interesting. Yeah, that's a really interesting thought. Like kind of bringing some new life um from people who come from, or somebody who comes from a real, you know, tech background and is Yeah, look, maybe it's even Netflix on the gaming side. Like we at, we've talked about how music labels deal with gaming companies. Like how does that evolve when you've got sort of a UGC person. And yeah, I'm sure he totally. was, you know, just think about all it's, those especially things. Especially as we think about the democratization of interactive content and the rise of these, you know, new platforms, Roblox and Fortnite Creative, you know, the increasing importance of Minecraft and whatever the fuck Zuck is doing. There you go. On to the next. Walter, why don't you read the New York Times? 
Apple Music is going to be replacing Pepsi as the main sponsor of the Super Bowl halftime show. The NFL had been shopping around for the deal for about $50 million, said three people familiar with the negotiations. Rich, do we ever get market share data on where Apple Music is relative to Spotify these days, specifically in the United States? Not and Amazon, because everybody's talking to Alexa. It, I, I, think know, it's I feels that, like Verizon has been is, years. I mean, Verizon, I think, has done a pretty good job with Disney in terms of helping their share. And, you know, they're a pretty good partner with Apple. I, I just feel like a lot of times, you know, I know you love Spotify and, and your buddy Daniel Eck, friend of Lightshed. But I don't know. I think Apple Music might be um, more infiltrated in our society than maybe what we believe. We'll see what they have planned for the halftime show. The, the last stat we have, Apple Music had 60 million global uh, subscribers in US June 2019. Yeah. They never disclosed the U.S. Mm-hmm. There were articles several years ago that they were at parity, but Apple just stopped talking at all about mm-hmm. the scale of the business. I mean, I think their focus on one bundle. and the bundle, I, I, I'm guessing maybe having a greater impact. I would look forward to that. For any of our podcast listeners that would like to send us in data on this, Please send it in. I'd love well, to have this topic of discussion as we approach the Super Bowl. But but I have one other take on this, oh, yes. which is just I don't remember ever seeing an Apple Music campaign. Like this to me is the like they've been really focused on Apple TV Plus and other things. I've even seen Apple Fitness ads. I haven't seen them really promote Apple Music in a long time. So this is just interesting. I don't know if there's a new version well, again, coming. Like I, I just referenced the fact that Verizon, which has a hundred million subscribers has done a very effective job at pushing content as they've shown with Disney. And I think they they've done behind the scenes, not behind the scenes, but it's, it's on that webpage in terms of, of Apple. So that, that would be your answer. Spotify this week introduced audiobooks. They had talked about it at their analyst day several months ago, but it actually came out and they now have, so now you've got music, uh, podcasting, you've got live audio and all things audio. All things audio. And I think that's sort of the what's interesting is how other companies are still breaking this all into separate apps, right? Like if Amazon, you've got you, you've got um the, the Amazon music, you've got the Audible, Podcast, like you've got yeah. everything everything is separate. And and Spotify is really trying to build a destination for all things audio, as you just said, Brandon. And to me, just if you're trying to capture more time per day, it sort of goes back to the the problem that Disney has, right, of having Disney Plus and Hulu and ESPN Plus or even Star, like just one destination for everything makes so much sense for the consumer. I'm just surprised we, you know, I'm surprised there's still an Apple podcast separate from Apple Music, even with Apple. Like it just doesn't, obviously they're the incumbent, so maybe the, as the incumbent, you don't care, but certainly as the the, the the upstart competitor, it's surprising that others haven't combined these products more aggressively. I mean, we've. I, I, first of all, I'm very interested in what Brandon's going to say about this because he's the he's the specialist on purpose driven versus bundle. <laughs> I, I just say, for me personally, like on podcasts, I go to Castro, and for music, I go to Spotify. That's it. Like, I don't see why this is like such a big deal. Why I have to go to one? And by the way, for some of it, I go to the Odyssey app. Right. Because so, because it, what's the big deal? Realistically, the universe you're in is the iOS operating system. And it's very okay. easy just to switch over 
um, as from one app, I'm, as opposed to from one app Android, to the other. From, well, how's that hard if I have a Samsung and I'm an Android? I'm going that, same thing, same right. thing. That that's so the whole the point. Big deal? So that's understand. why if you look at mobile and the way mobile has worked over time, you each app usually does one thing amazingly well. Who listens to a well. podcast on not mobile? Well, there no, I I'm arguing with you. I know. Uh, I know. Well, I'm hoping Rich is going to come in with an answer. I, I know you're arguing with me. Rich just sent out three tweets during that, that, that break. I, I'm trying to egg him on for some type of response. I guess there is no response because he just he just tweeted Spotify is exploding. <laughs> uh, All I know is Spotify had zero percent market share of podcasting. Zero. Mm-hmm. Now no. they're up. To over twenty percent, and among anyone no, in totally. the age of twenty five, honestly, probably up to forty plus percent, if not fifty percent. Right, that's so fine. Audible, here, here, Audible has never had competition. That's right. They can take twenty, thirty percent of this market. You know, you talk about just showing up in broadband wireless. There's just having some competition out there. Like no one has challenged Audible. I don't know if you've used Audible. It fucking sucks. Like it is just that's, an old product. Hold on, just, I have. Hold on, time, time out. Right. Stop. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm geared up. I'm uh, actually going to support go. Rich, but you go ahead. Let me Paul. respond to that directly. Yes, in fact, I used it this week. When's the last time you used it? I because you just actually, said it sucks. When's the last time you used it? I do not use it religiously. It, so how can does. you say something? Because my wife uses it all the time, and I know okay. what she thinks about it. Oh, so okay. stop. And I so, have used it. It's not like I use it weekly, but I so know you're what- 100% wrong. The app does not suck. <laughs> Based on just has it evolved the most a lot basic in the last of five common years? knowledge. In fact, it has. It was asking me for all types of data that the um, the suggestions that it's providing me, like 100% it's evolved. So you're just wrong. Like they may not have, it can get better. Like just HBO Max can get better. Where was it on day one? It was a lot worse than it is now. But to, like to make a, like a such an aggressive statement to say something sucks when you don't even use it, and you're basing it on your wife, like how often does she use it? Should we get her on air right now? Because I'd like to question her on that. She's a very regular user. But the bigger issue is, like, of course, like if people use Spotify, they're going to use another service. Yeah, they're going to grab share. But like to say that this is the future where everything has to be bundled is just not, wrong. By the way, every, on, hold, hold on. Let me not everything. On text messaging. I am so geared people, up. Right I now, send people messages on iMessage. I send them on WhatsApp. I send them on Facebook Messenger. I do LinkedIn. There's like five different ways I'm sending people messages. I mean, it's not one. Right. It's not one app. All right, Brandon, go. The one thing you have is the power of cross promotion, right? Because you have people inside an app who want to listen to something and that's why they're in the app and they have the ability to cross promote out of music out of podcasts into audiobooks and vice versa mm-hmm. right so that gives them the ability to build a a business from scratch and to take share it has right, nothing so- to do necessarily with the relative quality of the experience, which okay. I know is what Rich is focusing I, on. I fully appreciate that. But by that argument, when I'm in yes. Odyssey listening to live WIP radio after um, Angelo Eagles, Cataldi. No, no. In this case, it's not Angelo. Oh. It's after the Eagles destroy oh. the Minnesota Vikings once yes. again. Jalen Hurts looks good. By then the way. Like by really that, good. by your definition, Odyssey has an advantage of, of pitching me you know, their original podcast content there. Sure. So, yeah. Okay. So that's fine. absolutely. So, like, yeah. So Odyssey is going to bring me in because I'm a sports fan or whatever their content has to be, and they can cross promote. 
That's but right. Ultimately, okay, that doesn't mean that there's other use cases for other. I may listen to a podcast in Odyssey. I may listen to one in in Castro, which is just a podcast player. I may listen to another one in Spotify. Like I, it's fine. Cross promotion's fine. But to say one sucks and you're not going to use it, it like I didn't say you're not going to use it. I'm wow. literally right. said it sucks. Guys, guys, I, no one needs to know how dysfunctional we are. What do you mean? Let's move on. I'm kidding. Gaming. <laughs> gaming. <laughs> gaming. Brandon gaming. Gaming. Uh, this is from Business Insider Tech. Please, Rockst- at, one, at, at one and a half speed, at least, okay. please. Rockstar Games confirms a massive trove of leaked Grand Theft Auto 6 videos is real after it was hacked. We are extremely disappointed. So this caused quite a stir. Why? Um, Why does it matter that there was a, a leak well, of some footage? You know what, Rich? You just stole the punchline because well, I, I got all sorts of calls. Um in you know a couple of nights ago and then in the morning before the market opened the stock was down like seven percent investors were freaking out but what were they and worried my about? very no, no but what were they, they were worried, worried because you know the, the housers are very unpredictable okay so there was the idea that maybe they'll be like fuck it we're not gonna you know put out grand theft auto six now i mean honestly give me a fucking break i i literally refuse to even pay attention to this as a stock moving event because there was no chance it was going to change the trajectory of anything okay so the reveal won't be as dramatic when they finally reveal footage of gta 6 guess what everyone knows gta 6 is coming the company put out numbers, projections that showed it very clearly in the projections. Come on. Just, to our investors, relax. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. Microsoft CEO Nadella says the company is confident it can get the Activision deal approved as rival Sony has also expanded. Quote, if this is about competition, let us have competition. Competition, um, competition, 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 competition <laughs> for our, uh, you knew that's exactly what I was thinking, didn't you? Uh, every time I see that word, I think of Wheeler. Um, but uh, truthfully, in in U.S. antitrust theory, this does not make sense as a block. I don't really see a reasonable path. Now, it could happen uh, under con, whatever for this to wind up you know with a lawsuit however the international markets and in particular europe are much murkier at least to our understanding as a team we've seen stuff that we didn't believe had any basis um, for being blocked get blocked in europe and the truth of the matter is we just don't know where this deal stands in that in the uk and the eu is is that a fair assessment, guys? Yes, 100%. Sometimes you have to just say to investors, we don't know the answer. <laughs> and it, and life exists in shades of gray. But the interesting part of this, Brandon, is the other tweet on this screen, which is yeah. Phil Spencer saying Xbox will continue M&A activity to remain competitive. So- yeah, we've talked about this a lot. And the ultimate goal for um for microsoft for xbox is to become a big streaming platform 
with subscription as the key way to monetize. And in order to get subscribers, you need first party content. And the way to get first party content in games most of the time is is when you need to scale quickly is to make acquisitions because it's so hard to start new studios from scratch start with new ideas and get them recognized so whether this activision deal goes through or doesn't go through they are going to keep trying to acquire more first party content god this is a sweet transition so here we go we've got variety Exclusive and a sign of big moves to come from Roku veteran TV producer Charlie Collier is exiting his post as chairman of Fox Entertainment Group to join the digital distribution platform as president of Roku Media. And Charlie Collier, we got a picture here standing with uh, Breaking Bad because he was sort of, I think, best known for sort of Breaking Bad and Walking Dead and Mad Men when he was at AMC. He went over to Fox. I think obviously Fox is not doing a lot in, you know, I mean, when the what's the biggest show on Fox, Brandon? Uh, the Mass Singer? Uh, are you. you talking? I was going to say no, football, you, you, but other than football, it's The Mass Singer and Friday Night Smackdown. Well, and they're and they're they had a big show this past week uh, that did I think their their new TV show on Tuesday nights. I read did a point two rating in the demo. That's sick. Yeah, that's the one with Susan Sarandon. I think so. I think it did like a point two. So, you know, when you're doing a point two, it's sort of hard to build a scripted television business, which is what Charlie's known for. Yeah. I mean, look, Charlie got went into that job with one arm tied, tied behind his back. They had gotten rid of all of the content creation assets, all the studio assets and shipped them off to Disney. And, you know, very clearly said that sports and news were going to be the focus of new Fox. So Charlie. Congrats on moving to greener pastures. The big question is, how green are those pastures? Well, well, look, obviously, the tech tech is selling off um, broadly. I think the question for Roku now is, Charlie's going there to build programming. You know, I don't know if a lot of Roku investors are prepared for, they keep talking more about it, but are they prepared for the spend related to this programming? Because the question is going to be, can they create enough good programming that makes you want to buy a Roku device versus a Google or Amazon Fire or a Samsung or, you know, pick your Bro, other they're off to platform. a great start. They have all that Quibi shit. They're clearly... <laughs> go ahead. I was just going to... No, go ahead and finish. I was just going to footnote no, you this entire footnote commentary. Me. Footnote me. Footnote well, the commentary. For our podcast listeners... When Rich was referring to uh, Collier, I believe his name is, standing with Breaking Bad, um, what he was referring to is he was standing in the middle of Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul. I did laugh to myself when he said The reason I did that, no, because I knew Brian Cranston and I couldn't come up with Aaron Paul in my head. I literally, it just, I literally had a brain fart and I couldn't do it. And I'm like, I can't name one and not the other ones. It's going to be too embarrassing. I, I just, just you just could have said um standing there with Walter White and Jesse. I could have done that. Said, that I could have done. I should I should have gone to that and I literally just lost Aaron Paul's name in my head and I just uh, it went completely blank. Good. Good. I but think the, that Roku has pretty much telegraphed a you know 
large increase in um, in overall spend. And there's two components likely to that spend. One of them is in this original content ambition. And the other one is the creation of televisions. Um, so I think investors are at least somewhat prepared for this. The big question is, can Charlie, you know, with the magic, he created magic at AMC, right? Mad Men, um, Breaking Bad, Walking Dead, these things that brought that network out of relative, not relative, out of complete obscurity. Roku you know who should be happiest obscure. this morning? You know who should be happiest this morning? I don't know. You, I just lost my whole train of thought, but go on. Who should be happier <laughs> based on what you're talking about? Should be Ari Emanuel, right? Charlie Collier coming in to build programming for Roku. Another player trying to yeah, build. Yeah, I guess the, the question is, I mean, we talked about, you know, you brought up Fox doing a point two in the in the demo and the impossibility of breaking thing breaking out programming on you know broadcast and cable but it's also become very difficult to break programming on streaming because there's just so much so can charlie come in work the magic and actually get noticed it was a lot easier to get noticed at the time that mad men and breaking bad were greenlit because you were still at a very small universe of um of television series on a relative basis and especially um uh, drama series, serialized drama. Well, and you watch Apple TV Plus or Netflix on any platform. I know Roku's available, some others, but almost all Roku viewership is on Roku devices. And so can you break a show, Brandon? Like, can you have a major show that's only available on the Roku channel? I, I don't know. I don't we'll know. Say. I mean, I, there's still plenty of distribution. If you look at the overall distribution of the Roku channel, it certainly is bigger than the likes of, I don't know, Peacock. Um, so it's true, <laughs> right? Uh, yes, yes. Um, so, you know, theoretically, they have as good a chance as anyone. But, you know, I am I'm just skeptical Um about breaking any show these days it's just wow. it's, it's a real 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 crap shoot which is why the fact that netflix despite all their troubles the amount of shots on goal that they do have is such an advantage let's move to the next slide well you just basically teed it up perfectly brandon with which is this yeah. is the, that, that was tracks, an unintended segue actually go ahead nielsen tracks top 10 or tracks overall minutes spent and top things and Obviously, I hate Nielsen. I don't love all their data, but the reality is at least showing sort of on a on a mix or ratio basis, this is interesting. So top 10 streaming programs, this is the week that uh, I believe that uh, House of Dragon came out or the second week. I think this is House of Dragon week two. And it shows that for the week of October 22nd to October uh, to of August 22nd to August 28th, House of Dragon was like the what is it? That's the sixth largest show on streaming. Yeah, I don't. Obviously, that loses the linear TV viewership of House of Dragon. In total, it would have been much bigger than that if you included all of the the linear viewership of House of Dragon. But uh-huh, I thought uh-huh. what was interesting was two things. One, that the amount of streaming of Stranger Things, even though it's way past when Stranger Things hit a new season. Stranger Things is still huge, number four. Game of Thrones, the original Game of Thrones, 
surge to number three, showing how new stuff stimulates catalog. And we've seen that with yeah. whether it's Stranger Things. We've seen more and more of that. But then what I thought was most fascinating was two pieces of content that I'm guessing neither of us or any of us really know about. Echoes, which is a new, um, I think it was a horror series on Netflix, and Me Time, which is the new Kevin Hart movie. Both of those were one and two. Just speaking to sort of, even though people say there's nothing on Netflix and nothing to watch, people are obviously still watching more Netflix than any of these other things by a wide margin. And somehow that story has just gotten totally lost. Definitely helps when you have, you know, tons and tons of episodes of the same thing. I mean, Netflix, like NCIS is here um, right in the middle. A couple reactions to that. That is kind of the straight down the middle content now that Netflix is becoming synonymous with. It's also obviously not a Netflix show. You, I would have thought that NCIS would be on what streaming service, Rich? Uh, you, you would think it was on Paramount Plus. Yes. So or, or Peacock, old, is it, right? I think it's made by is it made by Universal. I can't remember who makes that show. I don't oh, know. If that, is I, a, okay, yeah, I, 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 I original. No, you're okay. right. I think I, it's a CBS I assumed it, it was uh, a CBS original, like most of those procedurals were. And it just shows like kind of how Paramount Plus has been hamstrung by some of those legacy deals that they did when it seemed like they wanted to become an arms dealer. And for some reason, they totally switched, you know, track to go from being an arms dealer to having a streaming service, which obviously isn't going all that well. Perhaps in their future, they should go back to being an arms dealer. That's my you, reaction. You were right, Brandon. Paramount Studios, CBS Television Studios makes NCIS. I stand corrected. It's so. also interesting that Disney Plus, all they had was Bluey, which I just had to Google to find out the children's ser- services. That Blue- It just shows how that market is, like, as you rich like to say, is something that I love. Um, but also I'd find it interesting that um, on the same kind of topic, there hasn't been a lot of buzz around Andor, which came out, I think, a day or two ago, three episodes of the new star within the star Dude, Wars ecosystem. Star Wars seems like the incremental hurting. Yeah. The incremental way for Disney to try and excite people is, is just getting harder and harder. Star Wars and Marvel of, both hurting. We met with a couple of studio executives, Brandon, in the last few days, um, multiple sure. people raised to us. Why has Kathleen Kennedy who runs Lucas films for Disney? Basically, why has she not been fired? Like why, you know, you've, you've screwed up the franchise this badly. How have they not brought in new leadership to re- resurrect star Wars? The, you know, I know. We talk, I just, we don't know I, honestly, I just feel bad for George Lucas. This is, uh, you know, exploited. And well, all I know is investors keep telling us and we keep getting emails, even on the piece we wrote about it this week, there's nothing to watch. Netflix is terminal. No one's watching. And yet all of the data, all the third party data shows Netflix is still crushing the viewership of everything else. And so there's this disconnect. And and by the way, I mean, that's in like a, you know, pretty flat sub and flat to down sub environment in this in this country. They are actually taking share from these other streaming services who are increasing their content spend off a low base and even adding sports content to their streaming services. So it it is interesting. And if you do have a situation where a Paramount Plus goes back to being um, an arms dealer or, you know, some other service, Peacock, whatever it may be, 
um, that should probably further strengthen um, Netflix's competitive position. You want to move on to the next one? You, Brandon. Me. Oh, yeah, Andrew, a short, a short one, a, sh- a very it, short. <laughs> this is yeah. This is how, as short as it gets. How long uh, Brandon can drag these eight words out? Okay, WWE content to get pulled from Hulu Saturday deal set to expire. Okay, not much uh, said here. The Hulu deal is actually on a you know uh, contribution basis, pretty infinitesimal to um, infinitesimal. Th- inf- not info, not infama. Uh, infinitesimal infinitesimal there you go thank you walt for being my speech grammar (laughs) and lexicon coach um to overall profitability at wwe my guess is that this um these next day rights should probably be bundled and go with whoever licenses raw and whoever licenses smackdown the future is kind of a sideshow for wwe investors i think what's very important um there is what's happening creatively and since paul triple h levesque took over as head of creative um especially at raw um the ratings have really um been improving number one what go ahead well i was just gonna say when we saw him this week we did we did we did see paul stephanie and nick yesterday and what what i think really came through was just sort of the the strategy around improving ratings that there is a real plan oh there is an art of how to really rethink the programming absolutely he laid it out um for us we're not the hugest wrestling fans around but i was you know, palpably excited um, about what his vision is, the way he is thinking about making content that appeals to, you know, the casual fan who might jump in and is entering in the middle of a story. And those, you know, hardcore fans that have been around forever and are, you know, looking to maybe add nostalgia or things to look deeper into the way he's using, you know, kind of multimedia and not just, you know, uh, traditional television. I I think really good things are uh, to come creatively uh, for that company. I will say this, my reaction to that lunch also, Rich, is this company is not for sale. I, I I don't think they, they want to sell. I think they are really excited about what they're doing and believe there's a lot of upside with the kind of especially creative, but also some of the business changes. That I just think, well, I think we should appoint Walter the head of putting Easter eggs in our content. Like how do we put <laughs> Easter eggs into the podcast to like. I put Easter eggs in my shit all the time though, Rich. Um, give us an example, Brandon. That like. Wouldn't be an Easter egg. Yeah, you gotta find it. Uh, I gotta go find it. Great. (laughs) I mean, luckily, luckily there's not that much to read from the last few months. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Rich, I wrote like three things in the past two weeks. So, okay, let's get off my case, asshole. Walt, Mm. could you read Alex Sherman? I know he's your favorite reporter. This is like a vomit slide. Yes, it is. But this is is our end. This is the slide that Rich made and not Mark. And look at the. We're coming up to your holidays. Do I read from the bottom up? How does this work? No, you just read the top and then we will have fun with each. Why don't we each read one of the others? Alex Sherman um, tweets another end of an era colon. I'm not sure why there's a colon needed there, but Tom Rutledge is stepping down as CEO of Charter after a decade and 50 years in the cable industry. 
Pick your favorite uh, one. What's your? I'll read my favorite. First of all, these are quotes from Tom Rutledge. Yes. Before we get Tom to these, Rutledge. but you know, before we get to these quotes, um, let's give Rutledge his due. I mean, as far as he was probably maybe what definitely one of the most influential cable execs he was the inventor of not the triple h the but the triple play, play. <laughs> to uh also tie this to you know all the baseball stuff that we did and rich i'll give you an easter egg i'm going to call it out is an easter egg now what did happen in beth page rich Oh, when I stood now, out. So, when we now, went, when, now, if I said that, if I just kind of like ran that through, right? That that illusion for those who caught it would have been a bit of an Easter egg, right? You're talking about when Cablevision tried to go private and they sort of blamed us or we, that we were part of the reason for shareholders not approving their go private when Cablevision tried to go private. The, that that what um that for the shareholder vote. that actually you don't even remember your own things that you wrote what happened in beth page was something that you wrote about that was the title. why yes oh yes about why rutledge wound up leaving cable vision yes i remember your that. shit better than you all right a lot is happening can i give one stat i'm not going to tie this directly to rutledge yeah but i'll just i'll just i'm just going to list a stat which i tweeted in 2021 Charter bought 26 million shares at an average price of $683. Oh God. It's currently trading at $326. Sounds Yo, like that, a great that, use of that, cash. That levered, buyback, that levered buyback thing. Yeah. Right. It, works, it works in bull markets. Where debt was obviously super cheap, that they just maintain that leverage at that number. Well, I can think of another executive who got blamed for doing the same thing. His name was Philippe Domont, right? Where they were buying back stock at inflated prices and saw a lot of that from media companies. And Rutledge was seen as brilliant until he wasn't for doing it. But it's okay. High splits are going to work, Rich. And, and I think we learned well, something. We're going to try so, and learn more for actually for Cable Town listeners out there. I've learned about your optimism about 10G and how you think you're going to have multiple so, gigs symmetrically. Please, we invite you onto a Lightshed Live, a Lightshed Premium Access, any Lightshed event. We would like to learn more about 10G and the timing of it because maybe so, you will be vindicated for your lack of investment. So, Walt, could you retweet number the, the, the far right? These quote aren't from tweets. Rutledge. These, these, these are, quotes. are these are quotes. Could you read the one are, on the right? This is Tom so Rutledge's recent quotes. Here. These You're are all quoting Rutledge. Tom Rutledge. This is a quote from Tom Rutledge. Please all three read. of these. This oh, is I wish Rich's... I could do a good impression of him, but I, 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 yeah, I yeah, that's read a tough one to do. The Maybe actual... since I talk the slowest, I should be the ones reading. The it. actual <laughs> upstream usage is quite sufficient for all the current uses that we have, so we don't have an immediate need to expand the capacity of the plant, and the plant is actually used in a very asymmetric way by the products that are currently on it, and we don't see that changing in the near term. That was April of 2021, which is kind of weird because that was even you're deep in the pandemic at that point. Right. So it's just amazing. Right. Uh, then we've got 17 months ago on that one. Yeah. My favorite, uh, Brandon, is upstream Tom- is sufficient is the takeaway from that one. Correct. 17 then, months ago. But then Next. there was this whole debate on skinny bundles, you know, like the YouTube TVs and the Hulu lives and all of these VMPPDs. Right. The skinnier packages. 
And Rutledge gets up, this is in November of 2016, and says, most people not taking big cable bundles are, quote, low income. At least he didn't say poor. <laughs> right. I right, mean, Marcelo, right. Marcelo Claré at one point when he was um, the for, the CEO of Sprint, he he was doing he, it was like a commercial, a video that they put out. And he and he called T-Mobile ghetto at the time and like really got crushed for that. Dude, yeah, that's bad. And then, yeah. Brandon, could you could you wrap us up with his pandemic quote on the video business? This is October 30th, 2020. Quote. We are very optimistic in the long term in our video business. End quote. Thank you, Tom Rutledge, for inventing the triple play. Uh, I mean, that is just priceless that, you know, just sort of that commentary on the video business. They added subs for a nanosecond during the pandemic, and now they fully are giving up on the video business and focusing on broadband and especially on broadband wireless but whatever oh charters focused on broadband how so well they're trying to add subscribers aren't they now oh. i don't know if that's focusing on it but they're adding a lot of wireless subs and i think with economic weakness we could see them take more share from large telcos there so there might be a, another solution for these industries we'll see how that progresses in the months to come I don't think we've ever had Shanato Va on the podcast before, Brandon. I think this, this is, is a, this is this is a first. This is not our first time having Hebrew on the podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. But for all our listeners that celebrate Shanato Va, and we wish you a sweet New Year, and um, that includes you, Rich, who doesn't even know Thank what you. year it is, and um, we will see you next Friday. Have That's a episode wonderful 125. Week, Go watch Apple TV Plus tonight. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.